We have Bruce live in the locker room in Tallahassee celebrating on the field with the Florida State. Twenty-seven straight points for for Clemson tonight. Like you said, you can't. You're not going to win games like that. You, it, it can't happen. And, and I don't know why. Like we were able to run the ball so well in the first half, to, especially to the left side, and then all of a sudden we started to abandon it. And like I said, it, there is some inconsistency. How are they going to approach this game? How are they going to beat this Florida State team? Well, we're going to break you guys. Um, and, and okay, I, that's it. The show is over. In, 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 in the story, we're going to break you guys. Look, and, and I, I'm joking, but it's true. Lord, the climb, the climb continues, KD. Oh my okay. god! I am sweating. I am... Look, look at my heart. Look, I, 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 look, look, look. You know what? Yeah, I, I, I said his his roommate, his roommate was drafted in the NFL. He's a very famous football player. I'm not gonna name him. Oh, I, I remember his name, Jack Lambert. You ever heard of Jack Lambert with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Okay, okay, Jack Lambert with the Pittsburgh. His roommate in college helped negotiate his deal when he was drafted. All right, and welcome back to Seminole Sideline 365. As always, I am KB, and with me is the old man. Uh, how is it going, old man? I know you're uh, you're traveling, so you don't have your normal backdrop. It looks like you are in uh, in prison or in some type of cell. There, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're very close. I feel like I'm in a hostage situation. You know, it's just plain background, so so the special forces can't tell where you are. It doesn't give away anything. Actually, I'm on the road. I'm on the road, so I'm a remote broadcast, a little bit better than the last time from Tallahassee. I'm right next to the damn router, so I shouldn't have any issues with my traveling laptop. But listen to this. This tonight is about one thing and one thing only. You know, there's two types of dogs in the world, okay? You know, I found this one on the side of the road. He's just... You know, I brought him in oh because he, he was he was cold. Look, he's so nice. You know, he's a shaggy. Hey, that's okay. Stay down, boy, boy. Stay down, boy, boy. Stay down. And then there's this type of dog, dude. That's the Georgia Bulldog. Oh. That, look, and that's who. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. We want to take this dog down. Like, get out. I don't know what's going on. Here. That's what this season's about, KB. Okay. <laughs> That's maybe that was a little over dramatic, but so. that's what we need to take down. That Georgia Bulldog is still number one. The Seminoles are number four, and we're going to talk about how they're going to stay number four tonight, as Absolutely. well as what happened in the game against the Syracuse Orange Men. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so we're going to focus on, since we didn't get to do our normal post-game reaction on Saturday, we're going to break down our thoughts from, uh, from Saturday's matchup, which, uh, you know, obviously went pretty well uh, with Florida State dominating that, that final there and 41 to three uh, being the final score. So we're going to break down our thoughts uh, defensively, offensively, special teams wise from that matchup. Uh, and then we will have a show later in the week, probably Thursday or Friday to break down the big matchup, which I think is probably, Maybe I, in my my belief, probably the toughest remaining schedule or game on the schedule, because uh, I do think tough uh, uh, Duke defensively is probably the toughest team they'll face. Um, but with Riley Leonard, it could be. But we'll focus on Duke tonight, and then later in the week we will have uh, we'll we'll break down that preview. So uh, stay with us, Big Mike. What's going on, man? And uh, give us your thoughts on on how you agreed uh, Sarah, Florida State's performance against Syracuse, and, and we'll get right into it. So, like we're saying. Uh, dominating performance. I, I would say this is the best the defense has played all year. Um, you know, you could say the LSU game when they, um, you know, they held uh, Jaden Daniels to one of his lower quarterback ratings the entire year, even though he threw for, for what, 300 plus yards. But um, you held him in check and won that game pretty easily. Um, but, you know, there have been some questions on both the offensive and defensive sides. Um, Boston College. Um, there was some, um, you know, concerns from the, the last week, how slow going last week. Um, but this Syracuse game, the defense was the star of the show in my eyes. Even though you put up 41 points, uh, the defense from start to finish uh, dominated, and you didn't give up a single touchdown. And, and I don't know. It, it seems like you know it's hard to do that in, in modern college football when it's such an offensive-minded game that it, it is hard when you're playing backups, you're playing freshmen, true freshmen. Uh, to keep a team out of the end zone from start to finish, especially during the course of a blowout. Um, but Adam Fuller in this defense did a hell of a job on, on Saturday. I think that really needs to be congratulated. And that you saw that in who broke the rock in terms of Adam Fuller, Shaheen Brown, and then the MVP of the offense in my eyes, Keon Coleman, all three of those getting to, uh, to uh, crush the rock on uh, on Saturday as is tradition. So you don't get to see three, three guys crushing the rock usually. Uh, but I think it was a, uh, a special occasion in, in terms of uh, what happened uh, this past Saturday. Um, so, yeah. And I put up a poll on our, if you subscribe, if you're subscribed, you may have seen the community post I did. I did a poll to see who, who, who you all thought was the defensive MVP um, this past Saturday and the results. I just want to pull up the results real quick. Uh, Cause I thought they were interesting. So, Looking at the results of the poll that we put up here, um, uh, now I can't find. Uh, oh man, before I, I, okay, so I pulled the results here of our poll. I put up who was the defensive MVP against Syracuse in the, with, and this is close between Joshua Farmer, Shaheen Brown. Shaheen Brown got forty eight percent of the votes, um, just over forty six percent for Joshua Farmer. So between those two guys, they got very very close. But it's great to see Joshua Farmer had a hell of a game. Shaheen Brown obviously had a hell of a game as he got to break the rock and he was all over the field. Um, I thought DJ Lundy played well. Caleb Loach had his plays. Um, you know, Jaylen, uh, Jared Verson had to have a huge sack game, um, but it was other guys' time to shine. They did their jobs. And I, I think everyone had a part to play in today's uh, in, in Saturday's game. But, uh, old man, what, what, what were your thoughts defensively on, on what Florida State came, uh, how they played on Saturday? I have to agree with uh, pretty much. Everything that you just said, KB, uh, which is unusual, but, you know, it, it, it's we are in agreement. It is what it is. Uh, first of all, too, it's easier to watch and analyze a football game sitting 
in uh, front of a TV than it is at the game. At the game, you're into the game time experience. You know, you're going to get a hot dog. You're doing the, the chop. You got people throwing up in front of you, hopefully not on you. But overall, I have to believe that this, I have to say from my observations, this is the most complete game that Florida State has, has played this year. Yeah. Now, let's, let's make sure we understand who the opponent was. This is not one of the stronger opponents on this schedule. In fact, it's probably the bottom three of the opponents of the weakest opponents on this schedule. So the last couple of weeks, <clears throat> they played uh, Virginia Tech. They played Syracuse. And these aren't strong teams. They're in a rebuild process, uh, you know, or they're just a second level type of, you know, type teams. I hate to say that. However, you're always trying to play your best no matter who you're playing, whether you're playing the Georgia Bulldogs or you're playing the Syracuse Orangemen. As long as you go out, play your best and execute, you should be fine. And they did that. Florida State dominated this game. Uh, it was a noontime game. And you never know how those are going to be. First of all, you don't know how many fans are going to show up. The fans were there. Second of all, you don't know how the team's going to come out because young guys don't like doing all this stuff early in the morning. And they have to get up early. They did their job. And, and they they just blasted the Syracuse team 41-3. to three. Florida State in the first half has 17 points. In the second half, they had 24 points. Yeah. That shows they didn't get complacent in this game. And it could have been easily a shutout. But, you know, who cares about that? Yeah. Yeah. They beat the spread and they dominated, which is now important. As we cruise towards the the playoff committee picking teams, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But hats off to not only the people that you mentioned, the defense, a total domination where everything looked good from freshmen to seniors. You know, I mean, they looked like they really locked in and understood the total game plan here. Hats off to Ryan Fitzpatrick, our kicker. You know, I, I was not a big Ryan fan coming into this season. I wasn't one last year. He's starting to gain confidence and build confidence in this fan base. He had two field goals, 48 yards and 29 yards and five extra points. So he has that confidence now mentally to go out there and just bang it through the poles which yeah, is yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. So I've been very happy with that performance this weekend. Yeah. And to your point, I think uh, th that's another point that, you know, and I saw some people bring this up, but last year it felt like Ryan Fitzgerald uh, was a liability. And I, and I think he, he was at a point in the season when we were struggling where Mike Norvell, and I think it's part of Mike Norvell's game plan at this point too, is that he is an aggressive play caller and, and, this, this offense, he believes, is, is one of the top offenses in the country. And, and stats would say that when, when you're averaging 40, 41 points per game, I think that's like top five, top 10 in the country, is that you're going to be aggressive on fourth down. But last year, there was times during the course of the season when you felt like you couldn't kick the ball from 48 yards out, or you felt like, mm -hmm. you know, if it, you, you had to go for it. Um, but like he showed on Saturday – he, he threw Ryan out there uh, in that, and I think it was a fourth and long situation anyway, but he threw Ryan out there to kick the field goal instead of versus punting or, or even going for the long fourth down. And he, he nailed it a 48 yarder. And so 
kudos to him because I know us amongst other people, you know, said, Hey, they may have to go to the portal. And they did bring a portal kid in the key, the kid from East Tennessee, I believe it was um, to, to compete with him. And I, th- I do think that maybe Ryan going back to his old, you know, kicking motion. Cause there was that story last year that he had gone from three to five step da da da. But I think a combination of that, he just going back to the basics, you know, working on his, on the fundamentals and, and it's paid off and kudos to him for, for really getting back on track and being perfect under the year. And that's not to say he won't miss one here or there, uh, but kudos to him uh, for putting in that time. And I think he deserves to set, you know, and he deserves to shine now for, for, you know, nailing it as far in the season. Well, I, th- I think, I think, yes, I think that was a factor and it, he is going to be a factor moving forward. Yeah. You have to have an excellent special teams and that includes your kicker and your punter. And I think we're great at punter. The special teams, guys going down to the tackling and the blocking, I think are doing a great job, except for that run back uh, Virginia Tech had, which I think they got lulled to sleep because you're not, people aren't returning that many kicks, but you have to treat them all the same. So I think the other thing that got my attention was now the last two weeks, the rushing game, the run game is starting to go now. And again, these are not our top opponents or, and they won't be the top opponents coming, but this uh, net rushing yards this past week against Syracuse, we had 191 yards, I think at five, uh, almost five and a half per carry. Yeah. And, and that is domination on the ground. And that says a lot about your offensive line, getting their blocking schemes down, maintaining their blocks, maybe even getting to the next level block and our running backs hitting those holes quickly. Yeah, I I think I you know I, I do think like you said it's sort of a little bit of quality comp- uh, of quality of competition, but even so, against some other teams earlier in the season, you know you still were finding some struggles in getting the running game going. And I do think Trey looks a little bit more confident running. He he's dragging more guys. Uh, he he looks more like he did late last year and, and last year where he's you know dragging guys three to four yards. And Toa Philly looks just you know he looks great with the ball in his hands. And he and then you. You know, he is he looks explosive in and out when he's bouncing in or outside. And he's making big plays. He has what uh two touchdowns and he's averaging seven point one yards per carry. He had ninety-three yards on Saturday. He had ninety-three yards, Benson had seventy-four, and Toa, he he looks bigger. Doesn't he look yeah, bigger? Yeah. Oh, he yeah. looks like he's put on some weight. He looks like he's been hitting the weight room and he is starting to bang people. And that is a huge threat now with Benson and him together. No, he, he, uh, Toa Philly's definitely done a great job in developing himself and, and they're utilizing him the right way. Cause, you know, once again, I thought two or three years ago that he may, if he doesn't, he, he may not be the right fit for this offense because he may be too small or they may need to put him into the receiver type position. Um, or that Trey may need to get 25 plus, 25 plus carries this year. Um, but, if you look at the snap counts so far or in the last couple of games, you know, they are pretty much, they're close to split. I mean, this last, you know, if you pull the snap charts on 24 seven, like you see here, and I know it's hard to see because the way they format this article, which is horrible. Um, but as you see here, Trey got 38 snaps uh, on Saturday, Lawrence to affiliate 27. So it's not like Trey is getting a ton of more snaps in the game than Lawrence to affiliates. They're, they're, you know, there's a good split between those guys. So, 
you know, Lawrence is going to get as many opportunities as Trey does. So it's not, it's not like, you know, one's going to outdo the other. They're, they're both going to get opportunities. So it's a, it's pretty evenly split in my eyes now, you know, and that's going to be the trend going forward, right? You know, we, we didn't know with Treshawn Ward leaving for Kansas state, if Trey would be the number one go-to guy moving forward. But I think now we clearly see that they're going to use utilize these guys pretty pretty evenly um and depending on the package and the play call um and that's what's going to be and it, and it seems to be working the last couple of weeks pretty smoothly so hopefully like you said as competition like and we'll talk about duke later in the week um more uh, specifically but when better defenses come to play will it will it continue to work have they figured something out in run blocking schemes um but yeah so far and on saturday like you said uh, against syracuse last week against virginia tech uh, they've been dominating in terms of the run game, and, and it's taken some of the pressure off the pass game specifically. Well, the um, other, you know, the other thing I like too this past weekend uh, is the third down conversions. Again, we were nine of seventeen, so I think that's and that's a that's above our national average. So I think that's a good sign as well. Fourth downs, we did go for it twice and didn't get any, did not get anything on that. So that is probably the only concerning stat that I saw, but that's an aggressive play call. And I know Mike Norvell was very upset. I think on one of them, if I remember that, that we didn't get, we something, I don't know. We didn't get it. He was very upset that we didn't get that fourth down conversion. And uh, so uh, that was the, that's probably a glaring stat that caught my attention a little bit. Keon Coleman, nine receptions. I think he was targeted 11 times. Is Johnny Wilson out for the game? Uh, Keon Coleman stepped up big, nine for 140 yards receiving with one touchdown. But let's add in the punt return. You know, six for 107 yards. Keon Coleman has become a weapon now on the punt game and teams have to pay attention to that. And they may start trying to punting away from him, which could cause some shanks on their part. You know, he's becoming a threat. So he had 107 yards total yards. He had like 247 total offensive type yards in the game. That's a big deal for this team. And I think he, the last player to do that, like have, you know, uh, over, you know, over a hundred yards receiving and a hundred yard, you know, a hundred yards returning uh, stuff like that, I, I think was Peter Warwick or, or something like that. So I think that's, that was the stat. Cause he, he always, he came in a pregame wearing the Peter Warwick throwback retro shirt and stuff like that. And he always talks about like that, that being one of the model players that he looks towards um, in his game. And I think the last Florida state player to do that, like the hundred and the hundred ret- receiving and returning in a game, at Florida State was Peter Works, so that you know, was really cool. Yeah, and you know it was good to see too, because you and I were ch- chatting a little bit during the game, texting and and so on. Is Jaheim Bell? It that was. It seemed like that's the Jaheim Bell everybody's been waiting for. Yeah. You know yeah. that Jaheim Bell had now he had, I think it was targeted four, five, six times. He had four catches for eighty-seven yards. That's a lot for your yes. tight end, and uh, it was good to see that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think it was nice to see Jaheim get involved and allow him to make plays with his legs because he's not a burner, right? And, you know, he does have decent speed for tight end, um, but he's he's not like 
you know, he, he's not a burner in his right. He's a physical guy that can make plays with his athleticism, but he's not a 4-2 type player. And you don't expect that from a tight end. But you saw with the ball in his hands, he can make guys miss. He can break tackles. And it was great to see him get four receptions in the game. And he made the most of it with that 40-yarder. 40, 40 um, so I hope they continue to get him more involved in the game plan, especially I think he got hit down the seam with one of the balls that Jordan made a great pass to fit in between two defenders. I believe that was him, maybe it was somebody else. But they need to continue to attack those right down the seam, right down the middle. They're going to be tough balls, but you have to make them respect the middle. And I think Jordan delivering on that ball, I believe it was second or third quarter, it was a, it was a great play there, and they have to continue to do that. Knowles99 um, says, we played Duke and Miami. We need to settle for field goals if the opportunity presents itself. Absolutely, Knowles. If, like you said, if the game, you know, depending on the yardage and stuff like that, now I think we will – feel comfortable taking those points versus risking it because the script did get flipped on Syracuse to the, you know, flat, you know, on Saturday, because this is one thing I was getting frustrated in the first quarter and in someone in the second is some of the play calling on fourth down was a little bit weird. I think the first fourth down, we like took it out of the shotgun. So, and that frustrates me when you're going, you know, you need like a yard, and then you take it out of shotgun, you then have to get six yards, essentially, right? So you hike the ball five yards back, and now you automatically have to get six yards to make up those six yards. It's like, why not just go under center, right? You know, Philly does the tush-push. You have big guys. Just just go under center and, and, and push forward. If you think you have the better line against Syracuse, which you should, you have a veteran line which that you believe in, you should just be able to push forward and get that one yard, right? And so I think there was two calls where it, on those both those fourth down conversions where they were just like head scratching fourth down calls. You're like, why did we? Why are we making this more difficult, Mike? Like, why are why why are we making this hard? Um, so once again, these are learning things, but those are the things that you have to go back and say, okay, those clearly didn't work. And when we're playing a, a very well coached Duke team by Mel, Mike Elko. Or playing, you know, Florida or, you know, someone of those caliber that have defensive athletes that can, you know, are, are you know, we, we got to rethink these plays. Burn that play, insert the next one, and let's go for it. So, uh, but I yeah. totally agree with you. Uh, one of the things, too, now switching to the defensive side, things that, that caught my attention. First of all, I think it was the best overall defensive effort of the season. I really yeah. do. I've I, I said that. I think it came to, <laughs> I think it came together. We were getting off the field. You know, we weren't we weren't, you know, in third and 20 uh, yards, we were able to hold them and they weren't able to get first downs, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. I think and I think didn't Adam Fuller get to break the rock too, yeah. or somebody yeah. Yeah. Shaheem, and, and, Shaheem and, and, Brown. Yeah. So the defense, I think, is gaining confidence and they're gaining confidence at the right time now as we get into the latter part of this season when everything is coming online now we're starting to find out who the real teams are and who are the fakes okay but it's every team on this schedule is important every opponent is important it doesn't matter who they are now i thought it was interesting and you can pull up stats or someone out there can say you're wrong old man but it was interesting i took a look at the at the defensive uh, stats from the game. And it was very interesting to me. And please, I looked at it twice. If I missed something, let me know. As much as I saw, and not stats don't mean everything, okay? They just don't mean everything. But it was interesting to see who, uh, Braden Fisk, who I see as running 
all over the field at full speed, always putting pressure on the quarterback, just missing by a half a step and no stats. He had no stats, no assist, no solo tackles. Another guy, another guy on the list I saw, Lovett's name didn't even appear on there. I don't know how Lovett's name can't appear on the stat sheet with zeros. His name, did he play in the game? He was in the game, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. How can uh, his name not appear on this stat sheet? Yeah, he had 19. I mean, he had 19 snaps along with Fist 23. So, yeah, I mean, they're obviously playing. I, yeah. I think it's one of those things where, you know, it, it, they take up so much attention in terms of clogging the middle and that it's, it, you know, and, and some days it's, they're going to get to the quarterback. It's hard and, to believe. It's yeah. hard to believe. But Joshua, uh, Josh Farmer, had uh, he had two solo tackles. Malcolm Ray had two, had a solo and two assists. What I guess some of my point is, even though Love it and Fisk don't show up in the stat charts. They were playing, but these other guys are getting opportunities. Farmer, Ray, Byron uh, Turner, 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 Turner had a, was big on the stat sheet. Yeah. So it, it, it's good to see those guys' names showing up because those are the guys moving forward this year and next year, and it shows the rotation that's taking place here. Yeah. So I think I thought that was very interesting. And the thing you have to think about too is like sites like ESPN, stuff like that, they don't capture quarterback hurries and, and pressure right. on the, like like those advanced right. metric stats. So those are things right. you have to think about too. That yeah. and those That's are things right. that love it and and, and Fisk are, are oh, going for to for sure. For sure they had pressures because I saw that from Fisk at least one yeah. time. He just popped the guy after the ball went out. Uh, no sign nine says, is it yeah. me? Or are we getting a lot of BS uh -oh. plays called against uh -oh. us in the post? Uh oh, no, you post just lit anyway. a fuse with KB or you, you so, just lit the fuse, buddy. So, so take it away. KB. Okay. So no sign nine. I, I get it. There are, there are some plays where I'm like scratching my head and I'm saying, okay, like, you know, this should clearly be called or why are they calling this? But if you watch any other game in college football, you know, or NFL, you, you watch the game last night, the Bills and the Jets game. And well, how is that not a call? Why are they not calling that? You know, so it's if you just watch us in a vacuum, you would say there must be a conspiracy. But then you watch every other game or you go to a high school game and you're yelling at the refs there. And you're like, these refs must be blind. That's the only thing. It, it's just it's just it's a human error. Right. It's just. It, it, hum, and then if you're on the other sideline, you'd probably be saying the same thing. How are they missing that hold? Why why don't they see Flores like holding our receivers? And so I don't I, I I get mad when I see our fans on Twitter saying they should have seen this or we would have won by more. Da, da, da. Um, you know, and there's some clear things like you know, that one last week where Jakai obviously got held trying to go for the ball. But once again, I don't believe in some grand conspiracy that the ACC refs are trying to hold Florida State down and da 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 when we're the best thing in the conference. Like they they would have no reason to do that. Like why would they want to piss us off even more? It's just well, let me refs, add, let me add. There's so that. much human yeah. there's human judgment into these calls. They're gonna miss things. They're gonna make mistakes. They're gonna have fub ups because, like I said, if you watch every any other game and you put your eyes into the fans' perspective of those other teams, you would see the same thing. You'd be like, how are they missing all these calls? It's just it's just hum so much human error. And like you said, if we want to take that out, we just have machines and, and cameras like they do in soccer with VAR, and you just take 
the human element of it, you'll have less of that. But then people hate that too. So it's just, you, you can't make people happy. Let me, let me add to what KB said. I'm not going to reiterate what you said, but I'm, I tend to be in agreement on this thing about referees and the ACC re referees are out to get Florida State. I, I just don't think that's true. Here's the, the one thing we need to know. Mike Norvell and his football operational staff has a, have a mechanism, have a mechanism to the ACC like every other ACC team has to input what they believe were calls that are questionable. I don't know if Mike Norvell uses that tool, how often he uses a tool, or how many plays he may send forward that he has problems with. I doubt that he send that many forward. Okay. Yeah. So as, as KB said, Twitter is big on, there are certain people on Twitter, God, they were breaking down every play and this and that. And I, and we won those games and I'm kind of wondering what is it that we're here? Because I'm really concerned if we get in a close game or if we lose a close game, Oh my God, the first explanation will be the referees. When in fact, you should look at passes you dropped, fumbles, interceptions, because you can't, as they say, put the referees in a position to change the result of your game. OK, whether they do, or they don't. They're human beings. They're going to make some calls, but there is no grand, grand conspiracy. OK, about refs and FSU. And the way I'll and the and the how I'll drop that is that and I and I love that this happened to them or or the way that they lost the game. But think if you're a Miami fan and that fumble. I mean, when you look at the replay, that guy's knee was clearly down, but the refs missed that. And like, what if that happened to us? Like, you could say, like, would you say that the refs have a conspiracy against Miami? Like, I'm glad that I mean it's on it's on Chris Ball. He could have kneeled the ball, then that doesn't happen. But he's an idiot. Yeah, but it, the rest it's part of football. They, yeah, risk, right. they miss it. It's just, you know, like it's part of foot. It's part of sports yeah. to question the referee is part of sports yeah. in any type of sport you have. All right. Uh, let's get it then. Oh man. Are you still proud of Colorado after blowing that, but 29 point lead? You know what? I, I'm glad we were transitioning now into our side notes before we wrap up. We, you know, you were watching it and I was watching it. I fell it. asleep. I did not finish that. I thought they were just going to roll. I watched when it was 24 to 0. Unbelievable. I went to bed. They had everything rolling. It's 29 to nothing at halftime. I still believe Coach Prime and his staff and everything they're doing in their first year is a positive result. If anybody has not seen Coach Prime in the post presser after that game, you must pull it up. Anybody who thinks he is not a guy who wants to win, best pull that up. He unloaded on his team, and he unloaded with the press. He was very direct. And you know what? The pressers aren't afraid to ask him questions. He wants those questions. But he criticized his son about throwing the last ball that got intercepted. All right? He, 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 he called things out as they are. And he is not going to just fade away and not try to fix this stuff. You know, he's going to win other games this year. He's going to lose games. But no, I still, I'm still. Oh, old man muted himself by accident. Uh, but he's still proud, it sounds like. Um, let me let me say this. I still believe, I still believe in him. 
and I still believe that he's going to win games. He's going to lose games. But watch the post-game presser after that loss. Got it. Uh, B-Riley says, the refs definitely try to even the playing field. It's not unique to FSU. Same thing happened to Shaq. The little guy constantly gets the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that may or may not be true. But like I said, like you said, it's not unique to Florida State either way. So No, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Put that back up for a minute. The refs definitely try to even the playing field. It's not you. It's the same thing happened to Shaq. Happened to the little. I, I don't know if that's true because if you're saying the refs are making calls, uh, if they're trying to even the playing field, when well, when a team's down thirty to three, maybe they should make more calls against Florida State. Is that what you're saying, B. Riley? Well, then that's just playing out. Uh, uh, it, it's not incompetence. It's what? It's it's bias. It's a team. You're biased against the team for doing that. I understand what he's saying, and I understand the thought of that. But I hope referees are more professional than that, because if they'll do it to even the playing field, when will they do it to start? Because there's so much betting in football now at both levels. When do they start shading points? Yeah, that, I mean, that's always, always the concern there. Um, you guys remember when Reggie Bush leaping in the end zone for touchdowns, Renzo Booker did it once again, got a bail. <laughs> yeah, like, like you said, it, it's... Well, leaping and stepping on your own player's back, <laughs> that's the difference. Leaping is one thing. Stepping on your player, stepping on one of your players, like I don't know if, if Lorenzo did that, on his back. And I think that was the call, because I remember watching a game that he stepped on a player's back. You know, I, yeah, I, I mean, there's these differences. Yeah. 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 You used to not be able to push a guy into the end zone. Now you can. You could you could have your quarterback sneak the ball. It's one foot away from the goal line and have your two biggest guys just ram, ram his ass right into the end zone. I mean, you can do that now. Part of the yeah. game. Uh, B. Riley says it's it's not based on skill, speed, or size. It's absolutely it's absolute bias and it's inherited human beings. I don't know, B. Riley. I'm not going to. I can't get on board. I can't get on board with that. I can get on board with the psychology of the bias that if I'm a referee and I thought one team was really just dominating the other team, I could have thoughts of, you know what, I'm going to be tougher on that dominating team. Or what if you I thought understand. you missed a call and then, and okay, make this up one's on call. the edge. Yeah, yeah. And make up we're, we're, we're human beings. I, I understand what B. Riley's saying, but I hope that in their profession, they are being total professionals, objective, non-biased. Yeah. Okay. But but he makes a point. Yeah. I mean, it can happen. Well, it, and that's like the thing. Happen. With humans, this stuff comes into play. If you want to take this out of the game, you replace it with cameras and, you know, and, and robots and AI, and you eliminate a lot of that. Well, you, like you, what you, soccer you, does with, with offsides and VAR and goal line technology and – you take a lot of the stuff that people hate, but people love about the authenticity of sports. And, and baseball. Baseball now, if you watch baseball and there's good playoff action going on, they have a computer thing for the strike zone. They yeah. could take the umpire out of it from balls and strikes and let that be called that way. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed how often the umpires are correct on the strike zone. It's, yeah. it's really pretty amazing. They miss some of those ones that are right on the edge, you know, but, yeah. and uh, the, the computer will show, oh, that was a strike, but he called it a ball, but it's so close on the edge. The human, 
to see a 90 a mile an hour fastball come in there or a hundred mile fastball and for you to make the correct call based on different players heights and so on is pretty damn good yeah yeah oh and the question that you'll be interested in uh because we were talking about this last week so to put a wrap up on Syracuse, is there anything you else you want to wrap up about Syracuse uh, before anything that you observed or, or want to say before we let uh, Syracuse talk? No, 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 no. Uh, the 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 no. I don't I don't have anything there. I think it was a complete dominating performance by Florida State. The, and have we have we now turned the corner? Put it all together. Where offensively we're going to score points. If the defense can limit points consistently, we're going to win a lot of football games, and we're we could win out and that and have a and always beating the spread, I think, is going to be important, which we did. And playing domination, dominant football, because now the playoff committee is going to start coming in pretty soon. And there's teams biting at our heels. OK, you can look up the AP, pull up the AP top 25 if you can. And you've got several undefeated teams out there. So everybody's going to be battling now, and there's no room for for being being uh, 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 easygoing now. Yeah. So it is about points. Okay, you can't be complacent anymore because yeah. the the difference between four, five, and six, four, five, and six. You don't have to be one as long as you're four, but four, five, and six is going to be a close battle, and somebody is going to lose out. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Oh, I got a couple other things. First of all, great to see Miami lose again. They lost. Georgia won, obviously. USC got blown up by Notre Dame. That shocked me. I knew I knew USC didn't have any defense, KB, but they didn't score that many points either. No. They, what did they score? 21 points. I mean, they didn't do it. The Gators take a narrow win over South a bad South Carolina team, but they go into a big game against Georgia in the largest cocktail party in Jacksonville. Uh, in in a couple of weeks, Jimbo loses again. Okay, yeah, very. It was gone. a very interesting weekend. And my final thing is, if, if you pull up the AP top ten, is Kyle Morlock got engaged. That was on uh, Twitter. I saw that on Twitter. So good for yep. him. Congratulations uh, to Kyle Morlock and yep. his his potential down the road wife. Um, and then as as someone brought up. No sign. I said, "What happened to Louisville?" Wasn't expecting that. And you brought up the, oh. you were talking about the point spread on uh, on on Thursday show. It was seven points, seven and, and, and a half. And you were you were asking why is it so low? And you found out that uh, it's hard to play in Pittsburgh. So, uh, and we have to go up there in early November. It could be. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. Yeah, Pittsburgh beat the number fourteen team in the country apparently by seventeen points. Um, and I think, wow. uh, you know, once again, I, I don't know how – I don't watch Louisville football, so I don't know how much of that was. Um, you know, I, and I didn't watch this game because I really didn't care about either of these teams. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a surprising outcome there. Once again, I I don't know how much you can take away from this game, but it's never – it's not going to be easy to play in Pittsburgh. It's going to be freaking – it's going to be cold. Um, and so I think you've got to put a little bit more into that. But Pittsburgh is 2-4. and four. They're, they're not, you know, an elite football team. It's, it's one of those games you have to win. So. Well, it shouldn't bother Keon Coleman, who played at Michigan State in the dead of winter. Exactly. So he, he exactly. will know he will know how to play in this weather, and he will tell other players what he does 
you know, for those for those type of conditions. So a minute ago, I was talking about the top 25. Here's who's breathing down our neck. That's Washington, who had a big victory over Oregon, big victory, and Oklahoma. They're both undefeated. Can't can't rule out Penn State undefeated. Okay. Uh, so got a big game this weekend. So. You know, and Texas is in there at number eight. So you, there's no room for misstep because I do believe a lot of there are voters out there who are not quite convinced about Florida State. Well, you keep winning, it doesn't matter because one of these, you know, well, yeah, State, yeah. Ohio State well, this weekend, if you keep winning, it all takes care of itself. It doesn't matter. You know, you well, play no, ranked I, I, team, I, I, you well, play I'm Duke this weekend. with that, KB. I've well, talked to you about that before. It does, well, I it think... doesn't matter what you think. If you beat a ranked team this weekend, you be the, you know, if Florida keeps winning, they'll be ranked. You know, you, you win out. It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't You don't, matter. you think not even, you don't even have to beat the spread. You could win by one point every game of schedule and you're going to be in it. Number you four. Enough... I totally disagree with that. Well, totally disagree. With I'm that. not going to play hypotheticals right now because you're not winning. No, no, you just said point. if you, no, 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 no. You just said if you keep winning. What do you mean by that? If you keep winning, that could be by one point. That but, could be overtime every game against have, weak but opponents. It's not going to hold up. But you're, it's not going to hold up. You're, you're going to be at number five or number six looking in. But your other games, you didn't win by one point. So you're, you're making up hypothetical scenarios that couldn't play out. So you're saying they would have to look at the whole resume. I'd beat, like to have comments by here. Plus I'd points. like to have comments. If anybody wants to comment right now, if Florida State wins out, are they going to at least make number four? I'd really like to see that. And we're not going to stay on here for an hour and wait to collect that information. Put it down in your comments and let's see. And maybe you'll put that in, in your survey poll uh, this coming week. I don't believe that's possible because you're leaving it up to a bunch of judges. Some of them don't, I don't know how much football they really use. Condoleezza Rice, how much football does she really review until she the, the committee gets together and a bunch of people hand her papers and say, this is what you should consider. You know, it's, I don't believe that's possible just to win out. What if eight teams win out? That scenario that you just said, Florida State could there's drop. Nine, they dropped before. There's no. There's not eight undefeated teams left, though. Like no, it, there, there will only there's probably seven. be there's two seven undefeated, undefeated teams. teams. There's not going to be. There, there mathematically can't be seven undefeated teams at the end of the year. There just can't. Okay. Be. All right. I, I think. It, I think. I think this is an interesting conversation that we'll keep having, and it's going to be explosive because we'll move from ACC refs to the playoff committee and why they selected what they did. Because some of the opponents, Florida State, have that we are hoping. We hope every one of our opponents wins every week, except when we play them. So we got to hope the Gators constantly win. We got to hope that LSU wins. Southern Mississippi, we thought, oh, they're a good program. They're one in five. They're probably going to fire but you their coach remember, the ACC season. championship, too. So, you know, oh, I understand. you uh, no, face I understand. UNC, who's six and up. Like, okay. you're going you're gonna to have enough games. If you go undefeated and win the ACC, it takes yeah. care of itself. Like now, Duke, Duke is a quality opponent. Miami, despite whatever the record, is going to be. They have a good brand name. They're going to be a quality opponent that we need to beat. The Gators, always a quality brand name. You have to beat. So we have to win out to even have a shot to stay at four. But I'm not sure that just beating people is going to be enough. The weak sisters, you can't falter against the Pittsburgh team. If we have one loss, we're out. 
and we won't be considered for those top four. Okay, but now you're chain, you're moving the goalposts now. You're, no, no, you went no, from undefeated, the, undefeated uh, to make it, so now it's one loss doesn't make it. No, no, no. You heard what I said. You the, fans are, the fans heard what I said. Post. Winning will post. not be enough. I don't believe it'll be enough. Okay, well, I, I want you to go back to uh, TCU's resume last year when they barely won a lot of games, and they were number two in the country for the entire year and made the championship. Because, okay, well, that was last year. It was not this year. Well, it's the same playoff committee, so. <laughs> so okay. So, um, so look at look at their – Hey, the only other there. thing you – know, we were talking about that Colorado Buffs game. They're up 29 to nothing. There were some questions in the presser about is Charles Kelly on the hot seat? Because his defense has been given up a Charles lot. Charles Kelly's awful. We all know that. Well, so, former I, FSU, for anybody that knows, former, former FSU reason. defensive coordinator. He, you know, if this continues to give up big points like this, I don't know if he's going to last at Colorado. Uh, he's a terrible coach, a terrible defensive coach. He's not going to last. I, once again, a, not a great hire by Deion Sanders at, at Colorado. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll make it. to. Well, here's the bottom three. line. We're going to have a show against uh, talking about Duke. Duke is a quality opponent. We should consider them a legitimate threat. Hopefully it won't be a noon kickoff for fans. Noon games suck. Hopefully it'll be at least. It's at 730. It's at 730. Oh, it is? It's been That's, announced. Yes, okay. it's at 730. 730. That crowd, the stadium will be packed. It's going to be a good football game to get to and to watch. Because this Duke team is legit. Have you heard anything about their number one quarterback? He, he's day-to-day, they said. That means. So Riley Thunder is day-to-day, they announced, which I think means. He's not going to play. I. That's what I think. Okay. I don't think he'll play. If he, if they think he's not 100%, I don't think they'll play him. Because I think they think that if they only lose, if they. They, they may start they, him and see I think what they he's got. Think, no, I think they think that if they lose, that they may still have a chance to win the okay. second place in ACC. Okay. So not not risk. Well, why do they want second Party place? You mean second place to play in the ACC championship? And then he'd be ready. Okay. Okay. I got you. So. I got you. I got you. Let me ask you this. One last question, then we're off. We'll, we'll close this down. The NFL has to announce who's playing and who isn't, mainly because it's all betting odds right now and for the for the gambling and everything else. Do you think college football will get to that place where they have to announce by so many hours out that here is the injuries, who's, who's you know, uh, you know, the different categories they have, like in the NFL. I think that's coming at some point. Uh, I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know why they would change it now. Well, they've changed everything else. Why did they change the NIL? Why did they change the portal? Why did, it's, it's going to the NFL type model and they're not. And now there's so much betting going on in, about college. Why wouldn't they? I, I, I just, uh, to your point, I, I don't know. You just don't know. Okay. That's I, 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 I don't, that's an I don't know if anyone, unless someone drastically complains about, well, we're not getting, we're not getting enough info to make like the fans who vote on the games. A conference, sure. yeah, uh, well, right? I think a conference would need to complain, or commissioners will need to complain. But like you said, I I think that. I, well, I don't I don't know exactly what the official rules are today about what type of information has. You don't to have release. to say anything. No, you, you don't have I, to I say anything. You do you have to? Uh, oh, maybe you don't. I, I don't. I don't know. know. That's an interesting topic. Yeah. I don't think that to put out anything. Mike Norvell doesn't talk about even to FSU media 
about yeah. injuries. Yeah, yeah, because I don't think it was official that Johnny Wilson was out there until he, like, yeah, that that slowly. But for fans, out, but... for fans who are betting on these games, and there's a hell of a lot of people betting on games, college and pro, they don't have that information, same type of information they have on the pros, which makes it difficult because if Riley Leonard is 80% and he plays, that changes the line. Yeah. That changes the official line. I don't know how they set that without knowing that well, unless they're amen. calling and they're getting sources. Yes. They're getting sources and the guy's putting in. Yeah. Well, that's why people will be following the line this week because yeah. they know before yeah. most people do. You know? Well, so, I learned from the line with Louisville and Pittsburgh. Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 So. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it. So like uh, the old man said, we'll have a Duke show on uh, Thursday. Thursday or Friday uh, to discuss that showdown which i think will be the last really tough game of the year especially if riley leonard plays but every game like we talked about we have to win out um every game matters but this weekend will definitely be a test especially for the offense the offense has to start fast on saturday uh they have to start hot and the defense i expect them to do their job as normal but uh it'll be interesting to see how they play and, and what the addition back of johnny wilson will be on saturday because we know what keon did when he was number one um and we'll see what uh johnny being back in the line does for the offense so uh We'll see you guys on Thursday or Friday. Thank you. Thanks again for spending the, uh, the evening with us. We hope you have a great start to your week and a great rest of the week. And we will see you for the Duke Review Show. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy Monday Night Football. And uh, we'll see you soon. Take care. Go Knowles. And have a great rest of the week.